0: Welcome to the Checkmates Go podcast. Join your favorite checkpoint expert, Phone Boy, and his guests as they cover a range of cybersecurity topics to help you secure your everything. Be sure to subscribe and share, and don't forget to rate and review us. And now, here's Phone Boy. And welcome to Season 4, Episode 2. We're going to do something a little different. I am going to read a few news articles, recent articles, from cybertalk which is one of our sites that we that we as checkpoint have put together they've got some great content on there highlighting some of the things that are happening in the cybersecurity space that aren't necessarily checkpoint and uh you know some opinion about it we've got a lot of great articles from some of the folks in the office of cto Um, i actually just interviewed eddie doyle we're going to have him on a future podcast we're going to try this out and see how you guys like this. So if you like this, let me know. Send me an email, phoneboy at checkpoint.com. You can also find the post on Checkmates that has this episode, and you can leave feedback there. Either way, uh, I'd love to hear what you think about this, and if this, uh, if this is something y'all like, then this is something I'll continue to do on a somewhat regular basis. Enjoy. SmokeLoader distributes Amadei malware. What to know? First discovered in 2018, the Amadei bot malware strain is capable of performing system reconnaissance, information theft, and payload deployment. While the malware has seen limited use since 2020, researchers have recently reported that a new version has entered circulation. In its latest version, number three point two one, Amade can identify fourteen different antivirus products and is presumed capable of then fetching payloads that evade antivirus programs. It is supported by SmokeLoader malware, an older malware that retains an infamous component of hackers' toolkits. SmokeLoader is unintentionally downloaded and executed by victims. It's masked as a software crack or keygen because software cracks and key generators commonly trigger antivirus warnings, and because users are often in a hurry to download what they want or need when prompted, users tend to disable antivirus programs, or whitelist the malware, playing into hackers' hands. This makes Smokeloader an ideal means of malware deployment. To execute, this malware injects MainBot into the currently running process. MainBot manipulates the OS into trusting it and allowing for the download of Amade onto the system. However, once Amade starts to execute, the malware copies itself to a temp folder. It then creates a scheduled task to maintain persistence using a specific command. Afterwards, Amade establishes C2 communication and sends a system profile to the threat's actor's server. Amade malware is available for sale in underground web forums. Previously, it was used by cyber crime groups to install GANDCRAB ransomware and the flawed AMI Remote Access Trojan. Amade is capable of targeting the following software. Migratech Router Management Program, Winbox, Outlook, FileZilla, Pigeon, Total Commander FTP Client, RealVNC, VNC, Tiger TigerVNC, and WinSCP. How to avoid this malware? Consider fighting this malware on several fronts. Ensure that your organization retains strong email security. Prioritize endpoint security. Apply the latest patches for OS. Apply the latest patches for internet browsers. Update V3 to the latest version to prevent malware infections. Leverage privileged access management to prevent Amade from circumventing antivirus programs. As noted previously, Amade malware effectively hides from antivirus programs, making antivirus more of a liability than an asset. In turn, organizations need to apply sophisticated and multidimensional means of preventing and detecting malicious behavior. Xiaomi, the world's third largest smartphone builder, which trails just behind Apple and Samsung, reported that it has patched a highly uh, severe flaw in its trusted environment, which is used to store payment data. Last week, researchers at Checkpoint revealed that the Xiaomi smartphone flaw could have enabled attackers to hijack the mobile payment system on the phones. Alternatively, hijackers could have disabled it or created and signed their own forged transactions. Given that one out of every seven smartphones is manufactured by Xiaomi, the pool of potential victims was massive. We discovered a set of vulnerabilities that could allow forging of payment packages or disabling the payment system directly from an unprivileged Android application. We were able to hack into WeChat Pay and implemented a fully worked proof of concept, wrote Slava Makaviv, a checkpoint security researcher. According to Slava, the new research marks the first time during which Xiaomi's trusted applications have been reviewed for security flaws. WeChat is a mobile payment transaction platform also developed by Xiaomi. The service is used by more than 300 million customers. Android users can make mobile payments and proceed with online payments transactions through the app. The duration of time for which the vulnerabilities existed or whether or not it has been exploited by attackers in the wild remains unclear. The bug, tracked as CVE 2020 14125 was patched by Xiaomi in June. It has a high CVSS severity rating. Although details surrounding the bug's impact were initially quite limited, researchers at Checkpoint have outlined the technical details and the full potential impact of the flaw in the Checkpoint research blog, and I will provide a link to that article in the show notes. CyberTalk interviewed a CISO of an American healthcare provider, and they offered some insights into cloud security. I'm going to link to the whole article in the show notes, but I'll pull a few insights out of this article to share with you here. They went to the cloud for the same reason that many organizations go to the cloud, uh, speed to market the ability to consume services that that you're not capable of building yourselves. And, you know, maybe it's, uh, it's more cost effective or uh, time effective to do it that way. And cloud security is multifaceted. There's lots of ways to do things in the cloud. We we're talking about, um, you know, infrastructure as a service, a platform as a service, software as a service, or any of the other things that are way that uh, you can have your services in the cloud. And depending upon what mechanism you use is going to depend on what controls you have at your uh, beck and call. And while the details are different, the main thing you're trying to secure is the data itself, wherever it is, and you want to have the controls as close to the data. As possible, on the question of you know, whether they're using one cloud service or many, well, the answer is many. And then, you know, how do you get consistency? Well, that's and that's something that a lot of organizations, I think, struggle with. Healthcare providers are uh, no different in that regard. Uh, you know, that's and that's where I think Checkpoint has some benefit is trying to help provide some consistency between all of those different clouds. Uh, but it, and this is something that uh, healthcare organizations struggle with. I'd say all organizations do. How do you know your cloud journey is successful? Well, I mean, the most obvious answer the CISO offers is, yeah, are you seeing value for moving to the cloud? Um, and, you know, how quickly are you to iterate and uh, you know, getting out new capabilities and that kind of thing? Um, and the security can actually be better in the cloud, uh, and I've said this for a while, but the, the you know the CISO points out that the, the, the sooner in the process you get security, uh, that whole shift left movement, uh, well that's that's better, right? So if you can, if you can bake it into the planning design and requirements and the, uh, you know and the code, then you don't need to do so much security on the outside. that makes a big deal and, and yeah, you need to make sure you have a buy-in from your organization before you move to the cloud. Any company looking to migrate to the cloud, whether it's healthcare or otherwise, it's really good to start with your, you know, what are your outcomes? What are you expecting to achieve? And that's what the CISO talks about here. Um, You know, it's one thing just to place data in the public cloud, but, uh, you know, what's your intent with it afterwards? Um, You know, and then, you know, of course, there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to this. And, you know, what are the priorities? And there's, you know, there's a hundred different you know, hundreds of different se- security technologies out there. And uh, yeah, so, you know, you got to, you got to work from the data, right? Because that's the thing you're concerned about. Um, yeah. you, know, you know, maybe your infrastructure, if it's, in, if, if it's on-prem, but, but you definitely care about the data. That's the thing that's, uh, you know, that's the thing that's subject to HIPAA in many cases, right? Or, or other things, that's the data you don't want to get out. So, um, but you got to begin with the end in mind. MailChimp breach exposes email addresses and callback phishing. The cloud giant known as DigitalOcean says that a recent MailChimp security breach exposed the email addresses of customers. A small portion of customers received unauthorized password resets. DigitalOcean first learned of the breach after MailChimp disabled its account without warning last week. Previously, DigitalOcean leveraged this MailChimp account to send email confirmations, password reset notifications, and alerts. A customer apparently notified the DigitalOcean team about an unauthorized password reset. Upon investigation, security professionals discovered that an unauthorized email account from the arxxwalls.com domain had been added to the MailChimp account. Further investigation revealed that the threat actor used the stolen customer email addresses to try and gain access to DigitalOcean accounts. However, accounts that use multi-factor authentication were not affected by the password reset attempts, according to Bleeping Computer. DigitalOcean has since switched to a different email service provider. Customers received notification about the breach on August 15th. Thus far, MailChimp has said that the breach largely targeted cryptocurrency-related customers. Select MailChimp customers' accounts were suspended, including those belonging to Cointelegraph, NFT creators, Ethereum FESP, and Meserati and Decrypt. In response to a recent attack targeting MailChimp crypto-related users, we've taken proactive measures to temporarily suspend account access for accounts where we've detected suspicious activity while we investigate the incident further, said the company. MailChimp did acknowledge that the breach occurred due to phishing and social engineering tactics. A total of 214 MailChimp accounts may have experienced compromise. The company is continuing to reinstate accounts and continues to investigate the incident. Reports indicate that MailChimp's internal support tools were also breached earlier this year, in April. Again, the attack targeted cryptocurrency-related customers. Data stolen via that breach led to a large phishing campaign targeting Trezor cryptocurrency hardware wallet customers. Within DigitalOcean's disclosure, the firm mentioned that an email address associated with ARXXWalls.com domain was added as a sender to a MailChimp account. The owner of the domain says that the site is not used for illegal activity. However, the site has been abused by operators of fake companies, scam artists, and fishers. Research shows that the domain ARXXWalls.com is being used for callback phishing attacks. These are phishing attacks that pretend to be antivirus subscriptions. Callback phishing attacks are a new hybrid phishing scheme. They start with an email pretending to be from a real company. The emails warn recipients that the need to take urgent action to prevent a security incident, or they warn recipients about the need to renew an antivirus subscription. The emails include a phone number. When dialed, the phone number steals information from the victim. It may also prompt the recipient to install remote access malware on their device. Threat actors then use the remote access to breach a victim's network. In turn, this can lead to data extortion and ransomware threats. Here are a few facts to keep in mind about callback phishing. In 2022, in the space of three months, callback phishing attacks increased by 625%. Callback phishing attacks have impersonated countless companies. Callback phishing emails may appear to come from an external data security services provider. Emails may claim that a victim's IT department is aware of a security issue and that it has approved an employee's participation in an audit of their workstation. In other cases, attackers attempt to dupe victims into confirming a fictitious transaction. Callback phishing operators request for victims to hand over credit card numbers or bank account information. Callback phishing operators also use ransomware to make phishing profitable. Callback phishing can lead to a network-wide ransomware infection. Educating users about callback phishing attempts can prevent ransomware incidents. And callback phishing campaigns can bypass email filters. The reason for this is... Because they do not include malicious links or attachments laced with malware, email filters often will fail to catch them. Thus, cybersecurity teams need to be aware of these types of attacks and need to provide relevant education to employees. Encourage your employees to review the email sender's information employees need to ensure that emails are from purported senders. In other words, if an email from a major bank, employees should ensure that the email is really from the bank and not a hacker. Ask themselves about action items. Employees should consider what an email is requesting for them to do. Does the email urgently request a call? Does it request for the recipient to click on a link? Request input if needed. After an initial assessment, employees who are uncertain about the authenticity of an email should request assistance from a peer, an IT team, or another appropriate person within your organization. Let employees know about the best ways to discreetly ask for help callback phishing is considered a hybrid form of phishing as it combines email and voice social engineering forms again it starts with an email which prompts a phone call that may lead to personal information theft and commonly results in a malware download in turn the malware can result in a ransomware extortion attempt callback phishing services as a reminder of how cyber criminals are evolving techniques and increasing their sophistication encourage employees to report suspicious emails to your organization's it department all right, and that'll do it for this edition of Headlines. And we'll see how y'all like it. Give me your feedback uh, phoneboy at checkpoint.com or reach out on Checkmates. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Checkmates Go. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app, leave us a rating and review, and share with your colleagues on social media. And we'll see you next time.